Friday, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters Friday. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Did you know that it's Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month? Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now, like Cardon, Kaja, Amelia George, and Hey Meave. Whether you're looking for a good Korean skincare or affordable and trendy jewelry, they've got you covered. Plus, you can help to support college access and student success when you donate online or round up in-store to APIA scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at Macy's.com or in-store. This episode was recorded at Spotify Studios LA. Hey y'all, and welcome to Trials to Triumphs. I'm Ashley Blaine Featherston Jenkins, but you can call me ABFJ. This week, actress Edwina Finley Dickerson talks to me about embracing the God story on our lives. Our conversation reminded me that sometimes God sends people into our lives with a word specifically for us. But if we're not paying attention, it's easy for us to miss the message. Edwina taught me the importance of training your ears to listen and preparing for God's promises by faith. God speaks and God performs. And it doesn't matter if it's seven days, it doesn't matter if it's five years, it doesn't matter if it's 15 years. He has orchestrated our lives. Now it's up to us to decide whether or not we're gonna stay in the path, but it's not because he doesn't have a story with our name on it. Hi, Edwina. Hi, Ashley. How are you? I'm great. I'm so happy to be here with you. And so am I. <laughs> so glad we Welcome did this. to the pod. Thank you. You're here. Yes, I'm here. I'm looking so fabulous and excited. I love purple, by the way. Thank it's you, it's very much so the color of the pod. Oh, is it? It is. See, we have purple on our cups. Oh it's, my gosh. We yes. have purple lighting. It's the color yes. Of royalty. It, yes. It's who we are, darling. <laughs> yes. Okay. So Let's start, Edwina. How about you tell me, which I already know, but tell the audience how we met. Oh, my goodness. Such a good story. Oh, my goodness. So, and you may remember it in, with more detail okay. than me, but I remember you being in high school. Yes. I was just finishing college, and it was my very first play after college, Runaway Home at the Studio Theater in Washington, D.C., and we were cast as sisters. sisters. Yes. All those years ago. I mean, when it's so crazy because doing Runaway Home when I was 15, so I was like, a, I think I was a sophomore in high school, <clears throat> it was such a big deal for me. Like, I had just gotten my agent, or like my manager at the time, um, in at 14, and it was like, honestly, one of my first big auditions. So when I got it, I was like, oh, my, it was big. And I just remember 
having a blast, obviously, doing the production. But you really taking me under your your wing and you me being so inspired by you. I was like, oh, my God, like, she's on the wire. Like... <laughs> Like, which was for me, that was a thing that was like, I wanted to be, I always wanted to be on television. Like, I want to be like her when I grow up. And you just were always so kind. You gave me so much guidance. And um, I'm just really grateful I get to tell you now how much Runaway Home really changed my Mm. life and my trajectory and was a big stepping stone for me into being the professional actor I always wanted to be. Mm. But because of you, I could see it. Mm. It was it was in my face every day. I knew it was possible. Yeah. Another talented, dark-skinned, black actress who was like going after her dreams fiercely. Like I think it was very intentional that God put you in my path in that way. And I'm so grateful that we're still connected mm. today. So I want to start with some icebreaker questions. Okay. Yes. I want to know, who were some of your role models growing up? Like, when you were younger, who were some people that you were, like, just really deeply inspired by and why? You know, a lot of my role models growing up were people kind of right in front of me. Mm -hmm. And now being a mom, I see how my little ones are, even at young ages, and how they gravitate to certain people, you know? Mm. And, And I was like that. You know, I was like that kid that would like cuddle up in someone's lap and like just give them a nice warm hug. So honestly, I just feel like throughout my life, I had teachers. Mm -hmm. I had my grandmother, Madeline Calvert, bless her heart, who is like the most incredible race woman. You know, she was one of the first like Deltas. She and all her sisters Pledge Delta at Howard. Oh, wow. My grandmother literally, like, she passed a couple years ago. But right now, I think by now she would be 102. She died at 98. Mm. And she would just always say, Candy, because they called me Candy. Candy, my next zero is going to be 100. But she was that woman who was so regal, like, up till probably 95 years old, like, driving and, like, yes. all the makeup and the hair and just... You know, but she was so passionate about African-Americans and our culture and our history. And Mm. she was on every board and every committee, you know, especially growing up in Washington. That was just so full of culture. Um, So she was a big role model for me. My mom was. Mm -hmm. I know. I know. Who she was a singer and historian and incredible woman of God and. You know, I learned so much from from her, from them. I had a Spanish te- teacher named Dorothy Evita at mm. DeGellington. And she would always tell me, she's like, Edwina, because I love Spanish. You probably don't know that I speak no. Spanish. Like, and so now my little girls are fluent in You're Spanish. Fluent? Mm-hmm. Yes, Edwina, <laughs> yes. This is what I'm talking you, you all can see why I've always been inspired by her. I'm like, you're just like casually like, yeah, I'm fluent in Spanish. Okay. <laughs> so if you come to my house, like literally like me and my daughters are always speaking Spanish. They've been at a bilingual Spanish school in London and then back here in Beverly Hills. And Woo! we just, it's been really important to me, but I got that, you know, from my family. I got it honestly, but my, so my Spanish teacher in high school, she took me under her wing and she said, you know, you need to go to a Spanish speaking country for just two months. She was like, that will do it for you. That will change your life. Wow. You know, and as an actor, you kind of are always nervous. Like, when can I take two months out to just go to someplace <sighs> like just for me? I know. You know what I, I mean? Know. Like just for me. 
But I still carry those words. And unfortunately, she has now passed. So all three mm. of them have now passed. But I carry what they poured into mm-hmm. me. I, I really carry that. And, and so many other women. Friday, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters Friday. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Talk to me about home. Washington, D.C. Oh. What has Washington, D.C. given you? Washington D.C. gave me pride. Mm-hmm. Washington D.C. gave me an incredible sense of self as a young black girl and as a black woman. Mm-hmm. You know, to be able to step and I used to live directly across the street from Howard. Mm-hmm. So when I was a little girl, I would see the marching bands and I would see, you know, all these black, you know. In my eyes, they're adults. Right now, we would say kids. (laughs) But, you know, like going to school with their bags and they looked so smart and educated and and cultured. And then I'd be there for all the parades, the the Georgia Avenue Day parades. And then because my family, too, was like Howard University legacy, they would take me there for the luncheons and the teas. And here I am, little girl, you know. But being exposed to so much culture. And I remember, you know, when, when they would have the um, Martin Luther King Day yeah. and all the black politicians. I mean, that for me growing up was so powerful, too, to see Charlene Drew Jarvis, you know, and, and you know, no, knowing that she's a descendant of or the daughter of Charles Drew, you know. Drew Hall at or Howard. Even, yeah. even Marion Barry. People, people I don't was just, know. I knew you were going to say Marion Barry. I'm just Murray like, Bird. They don't know. They don't know, you know, or I mean, there were just so many women, (laughs) Eleanor Holmes Norton, Mm -hmm. you know, and and these people are still staples, many of them still staples right there in the community today and uplifting our people. And I just feel like growing up, I had so many opportunities. I was interning on Capitol Hill, you know, like they really invested in young black youth in Washington, D.C. and not to mention the arts. The arts. You know, and being exposed to so many arts and so much culture. So I I credit Washington, D.C. with, I mean, so much of my artistic life and cultural life and and academic and intellectual life. And you know what I have to add? Because I said my artistic life, cultural life, my spiritual life Mm. was absolutely cultivated in Washington, D.C. Yes. A hundred percent. Like getting to know God and... And being exposed, I mean, I was going to to church. I mean, I was in private schools and Christian schools, but then I visited Greater Mount Calvary Church on Rhode Island Avenue. Mm. And you talk about the Holy Spirit and people <laughs> speaking in tongues and they're laying hands. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what I just walk into. But it was powerful. And that's where I I met God, mm. you know, and my life changed and I was exposed to prophecy and the fact that God can speak your life ahead of time. And so when I was 16 years old, I remember a minister being on stage and he called me out and he told me to come forth. And he said, you, and he just began to to map out my future. And I promise from that time to this, it has not stopped. 
who I was going to marry, where I was going to live, where I would go to school, my daughter, what my child's name would be called, everything, me being an actress, that I was going to go to New York and then I was going to go to LA. I mean, just every single thing. My daughter's name London because of a prophetic word. Name her London. A door is about to open for you in London. She's going to bring great joy to your family. Name her London Joy. It's been nonstop. So prophecy and the prophetic, you know, and that form of manifestation has been so huge in my life. And I have to say that started right there in Washington, D.C. too. Let me ask you quickly, because I want to talk about prophecy. I think there's some people who may doubt the power of it. Uh. Tell me about it. I know you just spoke about the time when you were 16 in church and how what's happened over and over and over in your life. But was there a time that you doubted it? And what and what brought you back? Okay, yes. Yeah. Okay. So this is a good one. So, so I had just moved here, right? So I had, well, I was kind of in limbo, right? So I had, mm-hmm. I had this whole prophetic word about... And I was living in New York at the time. I had this whole prophetic word that God was about to open a door for me in Hollywood. And that I was going to be living in Hollywood. I'm like, okay. Um, And then sure enough, I end up being cast in the show in L.A. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is happening. And so I had all my stuff, you know, packed up by the door. And then all my housing fell through. So now I'm ready to go, but like have nowhere to stay. Mm-hmm. I get a phone call. It's Julius Tennant, Viola Davis's husband. He's like, when are you coming to L.A., girl? I was like, I'm coming on Monday. He was like, well, you can live with us. And then that became a whole thing. And living with Viola and living with Julius and that being just a whole incredible I just love them so much. Um, A whole incredible part of my life. But then after that, I went to Dallas to speak. Um, And and while I was there, I had never been to Texas before. While I was there, a friend of mine took me to this nightclub. And it was like an open mic night. Mm -hmm. Anyway, as we're leaving, there was a woman by the door. And I just said, hi, you know, and walked away. And the woman was like, excuse me, can you come back here, please? And Mm. I turned around and came back. And she said, would you decide on California or New York? Mm-mm. And I was like, ma'am, <laughs> ma'am, what did you decide on California or New York? I said, well, I just flew here from California and tomorrow I'm flying to New York to pack my things and like move for good. And she was like, mm-hmm. do you know who Tyler Perry is? I said, I know who Tyler Perry is. I've never met him. I don't mm-hmm. know him personally. You know, I've, I know who he is. Yeah. And she said, well, he has studios in Atlanta, Georgia. And she said, that's what the Lord is going to do with you. He's connecting you with Tyler Perry and specifically at Tyler Perry Studios. And I was like, okay. And then she said, and you have a partner in New York that you're supposed to reconnect with. And that person's going to be really influential in bringing about the plans that God has for your life. Okay, nice to meet you. So a lady at the club. Away, lady at, at the, the club. club in front of the club, honey. <laughs> And that's how it's been. Strangers. I mean, a lot of times it's strangers. So I'm walking away and my girlfriend that was with me, she said, whatever happened to um, that guy you were dating in New York? I said, who, Kelvin? She said, yeah. I said, we've been broken up almost two years. She said, well, that's who came in my spirit when she said, you have a partner in New York that you're supposed to reconnect with. And then I remembered that I had yet another prophetic word that before I moved to California, we would be back together, me and Kelvin. Now I'm about to move in seven days and it's been two years since we broke up. How was this going to happen, God? Let me tell you, on the seventh day, he showed up at my grandparents' doorstep in Washington, D.C. 
we got back together that day. And he's the one that took me to the airport in seven days. Now, it was five years until I found myself at Tyler Perry Studios with Tyler Perry filming If Loving You Is Wrong. And now with a, a beautiful star on Tyler Perry Studios lot with my name on it in front of the Oprah Winfrey soundstage. God speaks and God performs. Mm. And it doesn't matter if it's seven days. It doesn't matter if it's five years. It doesn't mean if it's, matter if it's 15 years. Mm. He has orchestrated our lives. Now it's up to us to decide whether or not we're going to stay in the path. Yeah. But it's not because he doesn't have a story with our name on it. Mm. Well, that was a story with your name on it. I'd say. I mean... And we, but you know, the, the whole time you were talking, what, what I kept thinking about is the kind of the caveat to prophecy is that you have to train your ear to listen. Oh, yeah. It would have been very easy for you to pass that woman by mm-hmm. at the nightclub. You didn't have time. You're on your way out. I got to go. Like, I don't know this lady, but, but, but. But there's something in you. There's something in the way that you move. There's something in the way that you're able to hear that that you were able to say, hi, yeah. Like, you were able to tune yourself into whatever it is that this woman could have had to say. It could have just been like, your outfit's nice. It wasn't. It was so much more than that. But we have to be really mindful of what our posture is in the world. Friday, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters Friday. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Absolutely. And listen, there have also... And that's how I know that God is so gracious... Because I will say many of the prophetic words, I'm like, okay, God, you know, yay and amen, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I'll look for it. I'll prepare for it by faith. I will do the things that I think, you know, I can do, right? Because you can never control when and how and, you know, but I just try to move in faith and move Mm -hmm. by faith, right? In preparation for what God has spoken. But there have been some things that I'm like, huh? (laughs) wait a minute that's not god i don't know what you're talking about they you know rebecca cruz terry cruz yes 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 we 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 were sat next to each other at an at an awards luncheon Mm -hmm. and we just hit it off this was some years ago we hit it off we're like you know we should have lunch one day and so we did have lunch which is highly unlikely in in la you talk hardest thing to do (laughs) so we had lunch and and it was lovely. And as we're going our separate ways, she grabbed my hand and she was like, the Lord is saying you're about to have a baby. And I was like, <laughs> I grabbed it back because I didn't feel ready. I didn't feel like this was the time. Like, I'm doing my thing, whatever. And she was like, I see the baby with you on set. I see the baby with you in a trailer. And she was like, I just have this whole vision. Oh. But I literally was, I was afraid. So, mm. so I didn't tell anybody. I, I, I kept it to myself. I didn't even tell my husband. Then... I don't know, maybe two or three weeks later, people started calling me with dreams. And, and it was very a very precise dream, and it was the same exact dream. And it all led to, and you had a baby. You, you had a baby. You were having a baby. And I was like, oh. 
And then I went to New Orleans. I spoke at this um, conference, this young adult conference. And a woman there at the hotel where I was saying I was about to leave for the for, for uh, the airport. And this woman at the hotel said, God is saying, why are you delaying? I was like, ma'am. She said, God said that he's been speaking to you about having a baby, but you've been delaying. And then she listed all the reasons I was delaying. And they were all true. Mm. And she said, you have to understand, not only is it not going to stop your life, there's going to be an acceleration after that. She was like, it's going to be a little girl. Rose is going to be in her name. Mm. My mother's name is Rose. And for years, I had this vision board, vision book, a journal, everything that said Victoria Rose, Victoria Rose. Because someone told me years ago, one day you're going to have a little girl. Her name is going to be Victoria Rose. Victoria Rose was everywhere. Mm. And she said, Rosa's going to be in her name and she's going to be such a blessing. I got back to L.A. And then I finally told my husband what had been happening. And I said, I have to surrender. I have to surrender. Like, I cannot pick and choose the words that are over my life. I have to let go and believe that whatever God is saying, that that if I just allow him to do what he's going to do, that it will be blessed. That it will be blessed. Stop trying to control everything. And I promise you, I got pregnant that week. And now Victoria Rose is a whole six and a half years old. Wow. But that's a lesson that I've learned along the way, too. To surrender to the plan. It may not be your plan. It may look the complete opposite of your plan. It may look the opposite. Like there have been things that I've done purely out of obedience. That's it. Mm. I'm just doing this because God told me and it's going to bless somebody. And that's why I'm doing it. And then it turned around and blessed me. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't the intention. My intention was to bless somebody and to obey the voice of God. Yeah. <laughs> and then suddenly that be the thing that lead me into my whole destiny and into this whole other part of my God story. Wow. Well, I definitely needed to hear that. Mm. I think that that was a prophecy for me. Mm. Honestly, like you saying that story in the exact way that you just said it, I know I was supposed to hear right now. Um, The theme in my life, as everybody knows in this podcast, is surrender. (laughs) It's just, it's the the thing that I'm always, Mm. and especially in this season of my life, where what I keep hearing is, you don't have any more excuses, Ashley. There, there literally are none. They were all removed. Like, even, it's so funny, when I think about the strike, right? Strikes. The, <laughs> that part. the strikes, the plurality plural. of the strike. When I think about the strike, in, in April of this year, I was exhausted mm. to the point where I was like, I don't know if I can do this anymore in, in the same way. Mm-hmm. Like, I, mm-hmm. I think it was like all the years of being an actor and the grind. It just, I think every artist kind of has a season where it catches up to them. Mm-hmm. It was this year that it mm-hmm. caught up to me. Mm-hmm. And I was fatigued in a way that was shocking t- to me it, it was it, right, it was so like this is not me this isn't who i it am it was shocking and it was hard for me to admit mm, yeah. and and in that see earlier this year 
what I was called to do was say it aloud. And I was like, I can't share this, how exhausted I am. Like, what is it? What am I going to look like? Right? Like, I, I'm, I'm supposed to be the person that can always take it and fire on all cylinders. Yeah. But I was obedient. And I did share, like, on my platforms, mm. just what I was really feeling. And so many people were like, me too. Oh, my gosh. I'm so happy you expressed it in this way. Mm. This is exactly how I've been. I've been trying to find the words to articulate this, and I haven't been able to. And so it was the first step of me feeling like, actually, you're not alone. Like, you're not alone. And it's okay. But I'm literally having, like debating, like, a friend of mine, Nia, Nia was like, Ashley, maybe you need to call your team and tell them you need to like take a couple months off. Mm. And I was like, Nia, I can't. Mm. Like, I can't do that. Like, who am I in, in this season of my career to be like, you know what, guys, agents, <laughs> managers, I'm just going to like sit back <laughs> for a little bit. I just need some time to collect myself. Like, I just, I didn't think that was available mm. to me. Mm. I, I forgot that I am in control of how I want to do this. And, and, and at that time, I felt very beholden to whatever, what, what I, had to, I had to surrender to the industry rather yeah. than surrender to myself and how I was feeling. Yeah. I say all that to say, then God was like, got it. You don't want to feel alone. Okay. So I'm just shutting it all down. It's every everybody's gonna be on a break with you, sis. You you can hold hands and be on the picket lines with all of your brothers and sisters who are also feeling exhausted, and you can have community, and you and feel, not feel like you're missing out, and, and not, not feel, feel like, like life is just going on without you. And I remember when everything shut down, being like, "What is gonna happen now?" But then I said, "This is the break that I've been asking for." This is literally what I, I, one day I was on my knees like, God, I can't take it. Mm. I can't take another. Mm. I just, I can't do mm. it this way anymore. Mm. And now, not only is there a break, but we're fighting to change things mm. so that hopefully I am able, we are able to go back and, and I can have a higher tolerance for it because mm. things are different. It, it feels and you different. you allowed your soul to be replenished. You've allowed yourself to have that moment. Yeah. So that you can be filled back up again so that you can I come needed back it. Out. Now I'm excited. I'm like, yeah. this is great. We're fighting for our work. This is wonderful. Like, yeah. I've had this time to, to breathe and enjoy the summer. And, you know, I think oftentimes as, as artists, we feel like we don't ever give ourselves the time. Yeah to breathe, yeah. to enjoy other things outside of yeah. the grind. Mm -hmm. And... That's not right. We deserve to have children and yeah. get married and vacation and, yeah. like, not look at scripts and sing songs in our pajamas all day. Yeah. All of those things we deserve to do, too. Are our life. And, and it's life. And, and the life is what informs our art. Yes. So we have to live it. Yes. We have to and live it. And that is what fuels that's what fuels the art. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, that's one thing I learned from Viola, too, especially living with her. You know what I mean? Like, the behind the scenes of it of, like, so you're just going to sit in the jacuzzi? Like, that's what you could just go, you're just going to be in there. It's like, but the the ability to have peace, the ability to enjoy, the ability to observe, the ability to meditate, the ability to pray, like, the ability to be present in your own life 
as opposed to constantly running after something with blinders on Mm -hmm. to the point where that's all you see and you're not taking in the breath of this experience. The breath of this experience is what actually allows you to do what's what in front of you. Do you know what I mean? Versus like the steel on steel on steel, Mm. which what do we even have to give? And that's where I was in in April. And now I feel like I got a hip replacement or something. I feel... I feel like great. I'm running. I'm right. all cylinders. I'm running. I feel great. Okay, I want to go. Yes. I want to go back to your mommy. Okay. What is the greatest lesson your mother get, taught you? One of them. I'm, I'm. I know there were so many, yeah. but when you think of your mom in this moment, mm-hmm. you know. And maybe it's because this is the theme of the podcast as far as trials to triumphs. But my mother had so many trials. Mm. So many trials. But she never looked like what she had been through. And it wasn't because of wearing a mask. It wasn't because she was trying to be disingenuous. It's because simultaneously she carried a joy Mm. that no one could take away. Mm. They tried. So many people and situations and circumstances and illnesses, you know, name something, Mm. tried to shut it all down. To shut her entire life down. But she kept, just like Maya Angelou talks about, from the ashes, right? Mm. I rise again, still I rise. That was my mom. Mm. That was absolutely my mom, but with so much joy. You know, it was it was an unquenchable, indomitable joy. And in some ways, her joy was her weapon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, because you need something with which to fight back. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's a sword and sometimes it's a sphere or sometimes it's the joy of the Lord is my strength. You shall not penetrate me. You shall not lead me in a whole nother direction. Yes. I will stand still, you know, and, and I will live in, in joy in spite of. Sometimes joy is because of and sometimes joy is in spite of. Mm. So I I honestly believe that I learned that from her. How are you moving through the world now that your mother As a motherless is, child? Yeah. How are you how how are you moving through the world? You know, I think that sometimes when we get too stuck in the past, mm-hmm. then the 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 grief of the past can be what we carry, mm-hmm. right? Like if we're if we're too focused in the past and too focused in a rear view, then we can carry something with heaviness as opposed to that all being a part of who we are, right? Like all of the things. It's a part of who I am, but also looking to the future. Yeah. So while I lost a mother, I gained a daughter, Victoria Rose. Mm. And I gained another daughter, London Joy. Mm. 
And I promise you, there are things that they do, things Mm. that they say, ways that they laugh, ways that they dance that remind me so much of my mother. Mm. And they talk about Grandma Rose. They want to know about Grandma Rose. They pray for Grandma Rose. They ask about pictures of Grandma Rose. You know, and so it's like... And they don't even know how much of my mother they have in them. Mm. Like, sometimes I have to do a double take. Like, that laugh, that dance, that smile looks just like her. It's just like her. Mm. You know? And so now I feel like I'm at the stage of 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 looking for the beauty that she possessed. Yeah. Looking, looking for that in other places. And especially... Allowing my children to kind of fill up that place. Yeah. Yeah. And my grandmother, my mom's mom, Mm -hmm. died right before I was born. Mm. And I would hear the stories about Katie Rose Mm. when I was little. You know, so I think that there's something about legacy and about generations. Mm. And when you really realize the, the the revelation of generations, right? That they're not gone. It's just a continuation. Yes, yes. It's a continuation. It's yes. a passing of the baton from one person to another. And that's what I hold on to. Mm-hmm. Well, you're holding on to joy. Yeah. Like that's, that is what you're holding on. The, the, the legacy of your mother is joy. And that's what's getting passed down. I like that. That's profound. Mm. That's the best thing. That's the best gift you could have ever given your children is joy. Mm. All right. I want to talk about you living with Viola and Julius. I have to know. (laughs) I just have to know because this is what I want to know. I don't want to. I want to talk about it from a perspective of like God has always led you. We know that. So. The way you initially described it was like, Julius just called and was like, hey, right. come stay with us, girl. Like, but we, I know that there, there has to be more to it. And I right. want to know, like, I know that they are, you all are very close. And so what has that relationship given you now? And especially what it gave you then at that time in your life. It gave me so much then and it gives me so much now. Yeah, yeah. You know? Way before how to get away with murder and Oscars yeah. and whatever, right? Even yes. before really television. You know, like when I was in when I was at NYU, so many of the plays that I was working on in school, original you know, the original role was Viola Davis. Mm. And we knew of her from theater, from off Broadway, from Broadway, you know, August Wilson. So that was my first experience of her. And then you know, again, like these wonderful mentors and guides just throughout my life, I was interning at the public theater. Mm-hmm. And um, and while I was interning, the, the, the person who was over the hair department of the show, I was doing Measure for Measure mm. in um, Shakespeare in the Park. And he said, you know, I'm nominated for an for I was going to say Emmy for a um, Tony Award and I have an extra ticket. Would you like to have my ticket? To the Tony Awards. I'm like a whole 19 years old. <laughs> yes, I do. I was like, absolutely. <laughs> so I'm in the audience, you know, I'm like, wow, this is so amazing. This is so inspiring. And she wins that year mm-hmm. for King Headley, mm. the second on Broadway. And afterward, I was leaving, you know, just so excited and enamored, you know, Radio City Music Hall. And who's standing outside? 
by themselves, but Viola and Julius. And I'm 19 years old. I was like, (gasps) and she's holding her award and they're trying to decide which way they're going to go. And I said, do you mind if I take a picture with you? And so the, the three of us took a picture together. Fast forward maybe two years while we're doing Runaway Home. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. Wow. All comes full circle. Woo! Our mother in the play, mm-hmm. Roz Coleman. Yes. She had been commissioned during that time to write a one-person play for them. And it was based on a Christian short story. Wow. And she had been writing, writing, writing. And then one day in the in the dressing room, she turned to me and she was like, you know... I know that you're a Christian and, you know, and, and, and I know that you're also really talented as far as writing and the arts. And she said, do you mind helping me with this story? This is all and I was just in that play. I was in the dressing room probably right, right. next to you guys hearing this conversation, <laughs> looking at like calculus homework from right. high school. Right. Wow. Wow. So I took what she wrote and I rewrote it. I just wrote mm-hmm. the whole thing. And so when I gave it back to her, I was like, okay, there you go. <laughs> You know, and then she just went through and she was like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. And she was like, I have to tell them that you wrote this. Like, I can't take credit for this. Yeah. So she's the one. Roz is the one who introduced me to them. What? And she gave them the play. And she was like, this little girl (laughs) in Washington, (laughs) D.C. wrote this. And then a few years after that, God told me to start this inspirational column. Mm-hmm. And I just started writing it by faith because he told me to. Mm-hmm. And I was emailing it to everybody and they were included on the list. And they would, you know, every now and then they'd email back like, keep going. This really blessed me. This really inspired me. And then one day they were like, you know, if you ever come to L.A., like, please let us know. We, we'd love to host you. Yeah. And so at this point of like, now I'm going to L.A. and I'm going for real. And so I reached out. And this is now, and I reached out before the housing fell, fell through. But then when the housing fell through is when it got back. And they were like, when are you coming to LA? And I'm like, Monday. And they're like, you can live with us. And it just, you know, has been a God story ever since. And now their daughter is my goddaughter, Genesis, who's the most beautiful, loving creature. And And through them, I've learned so much about Obviously, the industry, because when I moved here, they just took me with them everywhere, you know, and but 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 even more than that, I learned about how to be in the industry, like how to be about humility and about love and about generosity and about service and about living for something and someone greater than yourself. Mm -hmm. I learned about family and the power of family and the and the difference between public life and private life mm. and how precious and how holy and how sacred private life is yeah and that even in the midst of the world stage that you can have the most beautiful abundant family life private life marriage I've learned all that through them. Mm. And even now, she's been an incredible, you know, kind of like mother figure in mm-hmm. my life, especially since losing my mom. And and between the two of them, they've just been like incredible parents, you know, mm. in the industry. Mm. Um, and, and not only in the industry, but also in faith. 
Right. And so I helped them when I was living with them. I helped them start their production company. Yeah. And like, you know, and, and so it's been wonderful too to just have this front row seat of all that God has done in their lives. And like it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. But but they remain the same. Mm, that's that's it. You know, and and that testifies in and of itself as well. Yeah. You know, because I know people that have done one one hundredth, and so do you, of what they've done. <laughs> That like somehow you are untouchable, unreachable. Yes. It's like, boo, it's not that serious. Yeah. It is not that serious. Well, Edwin, I have to tell you, you're the same. And you're the same. Like you're the same as that 15-year-old <laughs> girl that I met years ago. And I'm so grateful for that. I'm so I can unequivocally say that you are the same. And like you were that before you met them. So that's probably mm. part of your bond too, is because you guys mm. had that mm. inside of one another. Mm. I love that. I love that too. What's been your takeaway from our conversation today? Ooh. Ooh. Wow. I feel so full. Me too. Oh. I think one takeaway that I have is that no matter where you are in life, no matter what stage you're in in the journey, that there is a God story for you there's a god story over your life and most of the time it's bigger than anything you could have crafted yourself i'm taking away that how important it is to let go mm-hmm. to surrender to allow god to do his best work and sometimes he will partner with you and co-labor with you to do it and sometimes they'll tell you to sit down (laughs) sit down take several seats yeah i got this yeah um and i think also i'm taking away giving ourselves permission Mm. giving ourselves permission to laugh and to love and to enjoy life and to be present without feeling like we're missing out on something Mm But knowing that our joy, our joy is the thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that is the prize. It's everything. That's good. That's good. (sighs) I feel very full as well. I have to close my eyes because I'm really just, I'm feeling a lot of emotions right now. All good ones, but just a lot of emotions coming up for me as I think about my takeaway. (sighs) But I think my takeaway is to be mindful of my surroundings, especially on my way out of places. That sounds very specific, and it's because it is. Because there were many stories throughout our conversation where you were leaving somewhere. Hmm. And... Somebody was there that had a message for you Mm. or that you were supposed to be connected to Mm. or Mm. you were in a place for the first time and the the church and the pastor pointed you out. Like Mm. I, there's something about, but specifically for me, it's coming up as like when I'm on my way out, Mm. like not, not to rush out of places to, to, to really turn around if, if somebody calls my name or if they say, hey, like, be really mindful because I don't want to miss 
people having words for me. And I also want to be more mindful of telling people when I have a word for them. That's so good. Because it, it comes up. We all have the ability. It, it comes up for all of us. It's yeah. just we have to really hone in on our ability to act on it. Yeah. So I'm excited for what's going to come my way with me being more aware of my surroundings. Um, and, and this conversation most definitely taught me that. Wow. So thank you. Amen. I love you, sis. I love you too. I love you so much. Thank you for coming on. I'm really glad we did this. Me too. Thank you for listening. This podcast is produced by LWC Studios for OWN. The show's executive producer is Juleka Lantigua. Our managing producers are Fatima El Swiffy and Paulina Velasco. Shanice Tyndall is our lead producer. Associate producer is Mona Hassan. Jordan Thompson is our marketing coordinator. This episode was mixed by Trin Lightburn. Michelle Baker is our video editor. This episode was recorded at Spotify Studios, LA. Promotional consideration, products and services furnished by Spotify. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, and we hope you did, please make sure to subscribe, leave a rating, and review wherever you listen to your podcast to ensure you hear the next one. Mm-hmm.